change for you of of what you're experiencing um or sort of like what the outlook looks like moving forward you know no real change i mean for, at this point for me it's just about borders opening up and surrounding countries that's kind of my determining factor for my life really changing much um and i just you know um i can get a ferry i'm on the a, a town on the black sea that there's like these ferries that will take you to the different towns on the black sea so i can get a ferry to like odessa ukraine thinking about checking that city out or turkey uh, i've been thinking about about that uh you know checking that out but of course i can't right now because i couldn't enter those countries so you know my life is kind of just on hold until there's a, like a loosening of the borders um but it's fine i mean batumi's not a bad place it's just sure. that's kind of the overarching you know uh context of what i'm in and the weather's really improving here and that makes everything better like i was on the boardwalk today and there was bikinis uh on the you know laying on the beach and not many but that i hadn't seen that yet this season and so that's a good sign that people and a bunch of families wheeling around their kids you know so people are kind of living life and enjoying the weather and it's not like those pictures though of like um, Huntington Beach or something <laughs> that I've seen in America where it's, it's like mobs protesting. I mean, this is just families basically still distancing, but just enjoying the weather, you know. And there's a, just an easy feeling in the air. And um, uh, Georgia's got, a, I think, a five or six step reopening plan. And the first step kicked in on the 27th of April. And I, I, could, I could sense the air. Everything got a little lighter that day. And every day, uh, succeeding day, it's just been, there's been just a little, you know, a little bit more hope in the air. The weather's getting warmer, life's coming back. Uh, restaurants here don't open until June 5th. And then I think the final phase includes um, casinos and maybe like music venues, like large music venues, maybe some other things. But that's, I think, in August. But there was no border wow, question in that list, so that's an unknown. Like the the, the country. Yeah, I know. imagine that's that's either last on the list, or it's going to be something like a case by case basis of what what's maybe as you said. Let's say you're going to Turkey. It's not just who's making it. This probably both spaces have to make that decision of what's. I mean, for you, you have to you have to get permission not only to leave somewhere but to enter somewhere. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and I think usually it's more about the entry is how that's controlled. Like leaving is pretty. The the only thing with leaving is less the permission, and it's more the um, getting the transportation because a lot all the a lot of airlines cancel flights. So, like for example, I can go to the the U.S. government page for the country of Georgia. Like the U.S. State Department keeps a page for every country, and they'll give news updates about that country. And um, the U.S. State Department has been updating like once a week, like, all right, here's the, the five flights out of Belize, that's the capital of Georgia, this week. You know, this, this airline will take you to Paris, and then you can get a flight to New York. And so mm. I feel like the State Departments are still coordinating to get their citizens home. Um, but they're not, you know, that's pretty much my only option would be to would be to like coordinate with the State Department to come back to America, but that's I, mean, I, I don't. Yeah. Know. That's like my last. Like I have to, you know, 
you know, I mean, I'm, I just not, I'm not excited about that. So. Oh, I, I get it. It's definitely a mixed fucking bag, right? Like, well, I guess I'll just ju- I'll jump right at the deep end here, right? So it's like, there's whip service being paid towards like, oh, we're not going to do forced vaccinations. We're not, some of these like more oppressive or, I don't know, scary ideas don't are seem to be off the table or being pushed towards the back of the table here. And that is a, a you know, in one respect, a sort of positive. But A, that can just be whip service. Actions seem to be a, a, a mixed bag. And then B, it's it's just a question of, I still still don't know what the no one knows what the right answer is, right? So it's um, even if it is a a well intentioned situation, we don't know how that goes. So you have this. So you mentioned music venues being the last thing. I think it might be Missouri. There's a state that was announced they're reopening their music venues on Monday, and that seems like maybe a little quick. Last last week, that was that call. I mean, I've been really trying to then get a sense of the numbers and get a. I just see so much information on either side. Not only do I not know what the accurate numbers are, no one knows what the accurate numbers are. Everyone has an incentive to push those numbers in one direction or another. Corporations that are trying to you know get people back to work, get your your workers back in place then you want those numbers really low. And if you're pushing some sort of agenda for um, um, medical totalitarianism, then you're pushing a different number. Um, And those are just two very specific examples, but I think you get me. Gotcha. Uh, So, yeah, it's, it's a sort of situation of like, I don't know, I don't know that America is the place to, certainly not the place to be, um, but there are, uh, I know I say you and Joe spoke last week, um, that at least here there was this sense of, of, I don't know, some resistance to stuff. Uh, I heard you speaking sort of fondly of that. Is there anything more specific that you feel about why America would be your last sort of choice there? Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it's, it's, it's my personal choice uh i mean economics really i mean it's just i feel like the quality of life i was having to work for there was shit and i was having to work really hard and when i left the country i could make the same amount or less and keep a lot of that money and have a better quality of life you know so um there was a real economic incentive for me to leave um and i just don't want to go back to that American kind of um, uh, sorry to bother you lifestyle of just working it's a job I hate and you know rent's so expensive and you know um, I mean at the places I've lived outside of America I've paid less rent than my first apartment ever in Austin Texas I paid 425 a month for a one like I uh, I don't even know, uh, 50 square foot, 60 square foot, just like a small efficiency apartment, you know, one room with a kitchen, a bed, 
in the same room and then a little bat small bathroom that was 425 um and every place i've lived and since 2017 since i've left i've paid like i'd say maybe 90 percent or 95 percent of the places were were lower than that like and some like you know 60 percent of that price and that was 20 years ago you know and so for me that's the that's the big motivation um to leave you know and 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 then there's just social pressure i mean i think so that'd be number one number two there's it's just the social pressure like i don't really want to live in like a hicksville like some small town and like some red state because i don't think i would fit in um i mean i'd prefer like a bohemian or uh you know urban environment but in those environments i feel like there just became this you know, I, I actually prefer that, honestly. I prefer to live amongst what you might call um, um, just like liberal city centers, even though I think there was some degeneration of the culture, some kind of corporate takeover of those cultures, meaning that like what might be countercultural or, res or what would um, appear to be resistance or what's sold as kind of resistance thinking is really just like a right in line with a corporate takeover and an example i'll give with that is the um and i know this i mean i don't i'll i'll give all the caveats later but like the pride and i'm i support pride don't get me wrong but like when you have like chase like um the big banks <laughs> i mean that became this this strange marriage of like corporate like the worst corporations in america sort of took that over you know what i'm saying and I, and I know there's oh, people yeah. that, that identify as, I mean, so, you know, uh, maybe I'm not even the best person to unpack that because I think we should probably have LGBTQ people on here that were, that are critics of that unpack it because I'm sort of disadvantaged being a cishet, you know, um, but that's just an example that came to mind. I mean, you can go all the way through the culture and pick out, you know, similar, um, I mean, even the Trump thing, if we want to go back to politics, and we don't have to stay talking politics, but we can't, I mean, you know, it's, it's relevant here. Like, I was really optimistic when Trump won that maybe, just maybe, this is the one thing looking back, I underestimated. I underestimated. I had hope that uh, a Trump victory would ignite a true progressivism. I really did. I had sincere hope for that. And I, I underestimated the ability of kind of the ruling oligarchs to and, and the extent of their co-option of that of so-called progressivism because they used the Trump. It was actually worse for progressives um, in the sense that they used Trump. They now had the hammer to beat everybody over with. Every other issue went away and it was only this and what they say, orange man bad. I don't say that because I support Trump, but just because of this kind of this hyper focus on him such that the Democratic Party, which is just a right-wing party, but they could push out progressive voices because that's not important right now. We can't focus on those progressive issues right now. And it, allows, and it allows mainstream Democrats to lower their guard because they're like, well, clearly everyone hates this guy. Anyone will do, right? That's this idea of like anyone but Trump. But that's, I mean, you and I are old enough and have, probably both been paying attention to politics long enough to know that that's never that never works it's i i just think remember that like oh everyone hates george bush but we're gonna get 
you know, and then he got a second term because they didn't actually run anything again. The campaign was not, let's do something different. It was just, we, we hate this guy, right? Saw it under Obama, saw it, seeing it under Trump. So I, I do agree with that uh, overall. I remember you and I having a conversation. God, I guess that was in Idaho. The election, it was like 2016. The election hadn't happened yet. That was April. Yeah, okay. So it was April 2016. I remember having this conversation about what would a Clinton victory versus a Trump victory look like and both of us being on the of the mind that like while underlying things don't change um sort of ha- how that spurs reactions right so your your point that oh if you have Trump here's this like very um specific enemy that you can unite behind that that would that you would think that would be a, a spark to get people to collect their energies behind some uh, something else, something in opposition. Um, I, but do you remember having that conversation? I I do. I think we were in a car, and I remember we had gone to the grocery store. I think something like this, and and um, I I think we had a couple of conversations. But one I remember sure, was yeah. this like this Clinton versus Trump thing, it had already crystallized by April. And, um, you know, I was kind of saying, you know, well, maybe we should consider, I, 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 my position that whole cycle was, uh, one, I don't vote and I don't, I don't, and maybe we talked about this last time, I, I, I prefer not to, but if I would, I would put that hat on and talk to people and engage people at the level they wanted to be engaged at. It's like, okay, if I would, I would vote Green, I would vote Bill Stein because it's more reflective of my political values. But if I had to pick between a Democrat and a Republican, I wasn't sure that I, I was making a case at that time for Trump as a, as a, as a way to um, unplacate the left, because I felt like during the Obama years, there was a, there was a real asleep at the wheel of any kind of real uh, leftist movement. You know, because because they had their guy and there was no way to stop him. You know, so it's almost like who's more dangerous, the guy you think is your friend or the guy that you clearly know isn't. And yeah. I was wrong. And, and, but I mean, you know, not not that's. Yeah, you I mean, all, all of us were wrong in the sense that. I also I I remember taking a different different position, but also thinking uh Hey, during George Bush, there were anti-war protests. During Obama, there weren't. There were just as many bombs dropped, just as many more countries invaded, but no reaction. So again, this is the idea of like, oh, maybe having this Republican in, you would reignite the anti-war left. Clearly, that did not happen. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, we were on the same page with that, and and I think it's interesting to explore why, and and this gets us to some of the things. Where I thought about what we talked about last week um, a little bit more, and I really wanted to go back to like 2012 and the transition in terms of the media that we had spoken about, because I think what's clear to me now is that getting people onto Facebook 
uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, it was this was the key mechanism was sort of the death knell nail of something special, something we lost something. Mm, totally. And that th and that thing we lost, I think, would include the ability to even have anti-war protests like like and and we can go into why I think it'd be interesting to explore why. But we also lost like the authentic some of the authentic more authentic expression, creative expression. Like you looked at the blogger world before the Facebook group and Facebook post world and just how even those posts were more detailed and just more well thought out and more a little bit more creative. And I feel like there was a flattening of the discourse and kind of a, uh, uh, I want siphoning or just kind of, a, a you know, putting the discourse into a smaller range. And that destroyed so much of what I think my youth and maybe my 20s and your 20s, like some of those best parts of the aughts, which, which included those protests. I remember watching those protests. It was February, I think, 2003. It's amazing, man. I was on the University of Texas campus. I wasn't in them. I was, wasn't, I mean, I, but I completely supported them. And I was sitting back on the campus watching the masses of people come and march. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. It felt really awesome. I was sitting next to a friend and... I mean that kind. It was a there was a unif, unified voice of the people. It really felt like there was something that was there was more unified, the most unified I've ever I've ever seen a mass of people, uh, and I'll never forget it. You know, um, and I don't think we're going to ever get back to something like that because of the frac the a fracturing. Whereas, like you see these protests that I've been watching on TV or on the internet, it's like you'll have two groups there always and there's usually smaller and then there's like one guy with a, I just saw this thing that happened the um Arbeit macht frei you know the German I did see that yeah. you saw a guy uh, holding that sign because I saw just to say I saw um, um, pictures of a woman holding that sign and that that's interesting if there's more than one of those signs no no it's just that what's the sorry the woman I just I just uh, yeah she had it's just, that's probably the same picture but I mean come on it's like that is nuts it, that's like ant you're not going to bring unity doing something like that that's fucking pathetic if you're trying to unite people and like have a human cause for justice i mean you would never do that and then on the other side like they and i, and I, I don't mean to, i'd single out like the worst example of a polarization all right but then on the other side like i saw a protest where you know it seems like these protests are more like street battles. both sides bring their soldiers and they want to fight each other um, and, you know, so I don't think, I mean, I can't see, maybe I'm going to be wrong, but I mean, I have no hope for this kind of unity, this large scale unity of our, you, of our twenties. And I think that's a result of this Facebook kind of, um, siphoning is the wrong word, but just kind of narrowing, maybe that's the better word and flattening of what, how we communicate. Um, and so I, I just, anyhow, I wanted to bring that up. Because I think it's um, it changed really everything in the sync. Like we talked about the sync community, that you saw the impact of it there. I'm glad to see this resurgence. I heard some of you and uh, David's talk. It felt like kind of the old days, um, just letting you guys kind of run free and do some do some sync chatting. But um, yeah, that was that was really nice to. I mean, just to exactly jump into a, a sync a straight sync conversation um 
and sort of all the all the other stuff just sort of you know it doesn't even didn't even register um so yeah that that was really nice um i would yeah i would actually love to have the conversation where we go and talk more about that transition because i'm with you um Doug and I have had this conversation many times, probably on the record. Maybe, maybe this has been discussed in a podcast before, but uh, specifically, I remember, God, what year would that have been? It has to be at least two, after 2000, I think in 2011, um, when... the transition from blogging to Facebook really hit me that I noticed it was shifting the, the conversation, shifting the energetic. And I, I mean, I really didn't want Facebook, uh, for the longest time I didn't have my own Facebook and I would, you know, if I needed to sign, you know, put something up or whatever I was doing it through uh, my ex's account, you know, every now and then, Oh, here's a thing I need to get online for sync book or something. And then when I started a sync book, Facebook page and things like that, of like, Oh, this is how you're supposed to promote your, the shit you're doing. Uh, I created an account with a fake name and was just like, well, I don't want to be on Facebook. And then slowly but sure you get sort of sucked into that. Right. Um, eventually that fake name got changed to my real name because enough people tagged me and stuff, figured out that I was on there. And it's like, well, okay, now I guess I'm in this space. Um, but I, to me, it's really about the, the way the conversation shifted. So yeah, when everyone had their own blog and then there was some of these group blogs, so you could sort of, you had the centralized and decentralized approaches. You'd have like a sinkhole or something where here's seven people posting. But those seven people all had their own blogs. Um, and so there was a way that you could choose how you wanted to present information. And then people would have conversations. People would, I can't think of how many blog posts I personally wrote. Cause maybe I read something, oh, Will Morgan puts up a new blog post. Well, maybe it's too, what I want to say is too much for a comment. I have to write my own blog post in response. I really have to collect my data, make an argument and then on Facebook, it's just like immediately saw people like link, send, link, send, link, send, as if that's here's your data, right? I've I've thrown up three. Look, here's a here's a link to something with a rabbit in it. You know, I, there's a a totally different. Okay, uh, so this is this is a very specific example, but. I, I was following, uh, I don't know how, how aware you are, I did this uh, video uh, just about a month ago, was um, Hindsight 2020, episode three, and it's like all about the Lion King, all that sort of stuff. And then I was tracking that data as it played out. I, I mean, within days of releasing that, suddenly the Tiger King show comes out, so it's like, okay, I'm focused on this Lion King, so there's a Tiger King, that becomes some sort of weird phenomenon and just tracking the synchronicities of all these really specific archetypes and just the, the big the big cat energy and all this sort of stuff. 
um, but I'm in like a few different Facebook groups and I had some people who were posting things that it looks like I, I realized after a little bit that they probably set up like a Google alert for the word tiger. Uh-huh. You know, so it's like, oh, here's an article that mentions a tiger. Boop. Here's an article that mentions a tiger. But they weren't particularly interesting stories, most of them, and they... I, I, I don't want to be critical of that person's approach or 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 that that strategy in the sense of like that's a great way to like make sure you didn't miss something I'm, I'm sure but there there comes to a point for me where it was like quantity but not quality of sync and i don't want to ever if i'm tracking tiger synchronicities i don't ever want to get onto google and type tiger what's happening tiger today for me, if it's something that's what's poignant is that this story that I shouldn't know about somehow bubbled to the surface. Uh, that's for for me what I'm trying to measure. That's a, gives me a a much better sense. I feel like I trust that data in the, in the most v- vague terms, trust that data is not like, oh, there's no agenda or that, um, or, or, or it's not a commentary on any, like, that quality of, of news reporting or anything. I just simply mean, if suddenly one day everyone's talking about Tiger King, that is a relevant you know, item to register within the collective unconsciousness. If it's just like a Google alert of like, here's a very small story that mentioned Tiger and it, um, in Nebraska, maybe that that's significant in a way. Um, and it's, it's, it's worth looking at once it's pointed out, but I don't know if I'm really explaining myself well, but to me, there's the, there, I can sense, uh, uh, it's really hard for me to put into words, but the, uh, a quality of the data, both how it's shared. So if I just post, here's five articles, here's a link to an article about a tiger, here's another link, here's another link, here's another link, and those are five different comments on a thread. It's great for keeping information concise together, um, but I think there's very often something lost in translation. Uh, the reason those old blog posts were took so much time to write is because sometimes you might need to explain what the context is, why it's not just that the story says tiger in it, but that, hey, here's these, this other surrounding information. Oh, look at this person's name. I mean, whatever the fuck it is. It might just need additional context. And taking the time to write those blog posts that someone could sit down and read it from start to finish, even if it was somewhat open-ended, oh, we'll be another post tomorrow or next week or whatever. The fact is that you still made an attempt to make the information digestible. Whereas on Facebook, it's a situation of always walking in in the middle of a conversation. Here's just you know, things flying around or things that you're scrolling through. 
and it doesn't feel like it has the the thought component um even and even we, i'm sure we've all experienced this when you do make an attempt to make a really thought out facebook post often that's not received as such um it's not the space for well thought out and constructed arguments right um so I agree there's a, a really big energetic and tonal shift that happens with uh, the change in, in, in the socialization of media, this, um, that focus. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's um, you're hitting a lot of, of things that I think are really important there. Um, one thing I wanted to, to say, just to throw Alex Jones back into this, because <laughs> we talked about him last week, and there's a video of him going around this week where he's talking about eating his neighbors. Uh, so he's back kind of a little bit closer in the public eye. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, but uh, he used to talk about, this is before I believe he turned, you know, his turn, whatever we want to say he was before or after, I'm not sure. But before, it just he just felt like a little bit more sincere and a little bit more honest um whereas now he's just a wild crazy lying scumbag that i mean i don't even want to listen to 30 seconds it's unlistenable you know but he used to talk about this thing called internet two this was like in the late mid to late aughts and i don't know if you ever heard his little rants on this but he's like i've got the documents they're going to be releasing internet two and internet two is going to be an internet where there's only like five sites that you go to as opposed to Internet One, where there was like a plethora of a lot of variety and you had to go to like this blog or this site or this news source or, you know, this, that, this, that. Uh, Internet Two would be like three or four sites. You only log into those and through those you get everything else. And I think it's just an example of him being right on. Um, but he would describe it like there's a real risk here because there's a centralization and a control. And I, I don't know how much that was correct. But um, I do feel like that, that there was this shift into like housing people on these plantations, digital plantations. I think some, someone else described them as that at one point. I can't remember who. Um, but, but for me, it's uh, there's this other component of like the feed. And you were getting into this a little bit, but it's like things are so temporary and ephemeral uh, now. It's like literally you have like one load of the feed to get something. And then you turn your head and then boom, sometimes it reloads on you and then it's gone forever unless you make the effort to search out that person's homepage and then try to track down that one post. And, you know, even then, you know, it's so I, I guess this kind of idea of this temporariness of information, it almost makes it lose its value because it's not it's just like here for a second. You see it briefly and then it goes away. And then what's the next one? And some of these guys that founded the Silicon Valley uh, companies, they, they said they actually tested um, for uh, dopamine addiction with how they set up the, the platforms. So that you were, it, they're not designed to like get your brain into some of the deeper level thinking because that wouldn't be as profitable as getting that next click, like the rat in the cocaine study, you know. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And I mean, I'm I'm not 
like talking down to anybody. I suffer from this as well. And I was, I think, sharing some about this last week of just like my struggle and struggles with this. And I mean, I feel like I've given up so much quality time, man, like of my like prime intellectual years and my prime energy, you know, has been just given up to this to the scroll. And it's worse than anything. You know, I used to be a little self-righteous. Oh, I don't own a TV. You know, have you seen those TV studies that turns your brain off? Ha ha ha. I don't own one. But but they got me, man. Like the, the the phone and the computer and this the infinite feed, I think turns it off even way more. You know, in some ways, way more powerfully. Oh, so um, so that's a big part of it. And then let me see. The other thing I want just wanted to say was, you know, what I've been doing recently is just reading every day intentionally. I just fuck it. I have to. And it's like reading is like it's a drug. It's a fucking drug, man. I'm talking about books. Like reading books, sorry, I should specify that. Like reading a book, starting at page one and just turning the pages and reading like however many minutes a day, even a little bit every day. And it's like um, the, 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 the mental state that I get put in by doing that, it's so foreign after not really doing that much the last few years. I mean, I'll admit it. I was listening to these audiobooks like Alan, uh, Doug, sorry, Doug and... Uh, Dennis got me into a little bit, and I've been traveling a lot, so I haven't carried books. And but I'm I've been doing it deliberately, man. And it's like wow, the pace is slow. The sentences don't. Um, you really have to read through a sentence and then the next sentence to like watch an idea build, and then I have to look up a word. It's like the payoff is not immediate, but there's a. Um, it's like a total body orgasm or something i don't know i've never uh, you know that like like there's pleasure that's happening like all over the body and it's like richer and a little bit deeper than just like this the scroll at the reading something in my twitter feed which is just like right in that little third eye hit and then just it's like this little surface kind of bump you know um so and so just to with just diminishing to kind of, returns as well right yeah the, the, I mean, the bump has diminishing returns whereas the reading you're getting more and more out of it. The more you put in, like, oh, you're actually focusing your attention on taking in this information. Yeah, at, for sure. And in like the book, I'm reading the Epic of Gil Gilgamesh. So, I'm, you know, this is the first book I'm trying to read. It's like, okay, this book's been around a while. So there's like a resonance over a history. And you were saying that, uh, you know, I think that's another part of reading a book is that someone had to really think this out and it went through editing and refining. And so it's worth like keeping around in a more um, lasting form, you know, than some of the tweets. But I, ju I just wanna say one closing thought here is just that like, how does this change our political abil our abilities to like organize if we lose the, or if we rely too much on this kind of surface feed and I, and I think that's worth thinking. Like I heard this guy, um, Chris, um, uh, he's like the leftist. He's like the one last intellectual leftist that's left. Chris um, uh, Hedges, Chris Hedges. I don't know if you've seen him. He's really, he's really good. Um, but he just said he thinks reading is more essential than ever. How can you have a political, uh, how can you be an agent politically without reading books? He doesn't think it's possible. Um, so I'm not sure where to go, or you know, I think that well, kind of fit in what you were yeah, saying, but sure. Yeah. 
Uh, I just want to, I'm sure, I have no doubt that this comparison has been made before, but it, it's just sort of hitting me how how explicit it is to hear you use the word feed. It reminds me like, you know, like chicken feed or you know, like a farm, farm animals, right? It's like this low quality, just like shit to keep, put your head down and lick it off the floor. Uh, the, the, and there's, there's something, you know, everything from sound bites uh, to news feed, there's something really um, explicit in the terminology that is being fed to you um, versus actually taking the time to, with a book, you are chiseling away at that text uh, and your mind has to, you know, actually work for each one of those sentences um, rather than having it handed to you rather than and even just you know uh, as someone who's who's done a lot of writing I don't, I don't think I'm a, I'm a very very talented writer but someone who at least has experience trying to write all sorts of different things I've written comic scripts I've written prose you know written nonfiction fiction um, and the hardest thing for me is like when I go to write something on Facebook or whatever, it's like suddenly I'm very aware that my writing style has to change. And I'm trying to, th I, I, I tried to like embrace it at one point. I really resisted it in the beginning. And then I was like, oh, maybe this is just a, a you know, a new medium. I think of it almost, not necessarily like I'm a clue in esque terms, but like, um, Hey, this is a this is a different format, and while it doesn't speak to me, there's 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 merit here, and you just have to. It requires you to engage with it in a different way and change your writing style, change just you know the way you engage with that different format. And then I thought I was like, okay, maybe there's there is something to this, but I find that my the thinking that goes into how am I, uh, you know, I found myself last night, um, well, <laughs> last few hours ago, I don't know, my sleep schedule is so fucking whacked this week, um, about 7.30, 8 o'clock this morning, I was still up from the night before, but I have since slept, so that was last night for me, <laughs> uh, but I was putting up a post uh, I had a great synchronicity, which was I got a phone call from uh, Zach Bauer last night talking about oh. some stuff. And towards the end of the conversation, he brings up uh, this video I had put out two years ago uh, called Vision the Voice. And he wanted to talk just um, we had we had spoken two years ago about him uh, trying to remaster the audio before I released it. And it just didn't happen. I was like, look, I'm going to release this. I'm going to release it uh, with the best quality that I have. So we get speaking, and he's like, hey, uh, that offer still stands if you want to kind of, like, clean it up for a re-release or anything. And uh, I found myself thinking about it. I was like, man, I don't know. I haven't thought about that project in a while. And um, could I get back in that headspace, all that sort of stuff. So I decide after we speak, now it's middle of the night and I'm like, you know what, I'm smoked a bowl, I'm gonna maybe just wanna check in on this video that I made two years ago, but 
you know, maybe I can see with a fresh pair of eyes, all those sorts of things. I go and I click on it, and I literally watch like the first like two minutes before something clicks in my head. And I'm like, wait a second, what is today's date? And I click through to the, the Vimeo like actual file page, and the that video was uploaded on May 3rd. <laughs> And today is May 3rd, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is, like, exactly this video that came out two years ago. Today. Like, I have, why am I looking at this today of all days that I'm looking at this video, right? I'm like, that's a great synchronicity. Yeah. I want to make a Facebook post and say, hey, it's the anniversary, watch this video, and also, here's a cool synchronicity. And I just kept realizing, like, as like these sentences, any sentence that I want to write is probably too long. It's too verbose. It's too, there's too much context. Can I tell, is there a way in this Facebook post to both tell the story of Zach called me to say this thing. Here's the synchronicity. This is the date. Oh, by the way, you should also watch this video. Anything I want to say about that. Like, There's no, this just so isn't the format for having any conversation like that. And Again, I find myself almost like trying to rise to the challenge of can I, as a as someone writing, can I do that? Can I edit this text down in such a way that it fits, that it's one paragraph that I've hit, checked all those boxes and made it, you know, made it say something appropriate and made it say something that's digestible, but also that someone can read in two seconds as they're fucking scrolling past and ultimately every time I do that I even when I feel like I've successfully managed to write something for that environment it's not a satisfactory feeling it's not like a wow I really I really wrote this thing that I'm proud of no it's like wow I really stripped all the fucking meaning out of that (laughs) And got and maybe maybe got someone to click on it, you know. Um, yeah, though I I will say I appreciate when someone takes the time to write like at least edit once or twice on a post, <laughs> because so many of them are just like you know pissed out without any forethought. Um, so I give you that much, but no, I, I hear what you're saying. The larger point there that it's just like what. I, I think it's about like 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 uh, yeah. Where is it going to go? I mean, and, and I mean, did you find when you wrote books that you had that same feeling, knowing that it would be like in a published text, or even if it was an ebook, that there's kind of a final product that is almost like a artifact that's you know, it's there. It can be returned to. It can be purchased. It can be taken off the shelf, and the words that have a little bit more of a staying power. I mean, do you think that's a that? Well, yeah. I mean, what I can so I I want to answer this less as like a writer because again, it's not it's not really how like I identify and um that's like, that sounds silly, but I th- I think you know what I mean. Like I don't I don't I don't want to come at this from what I what I can say without a doubt is as someone who edited and did the pre-press for all these like sync book books um there is something so 
significant about the printed page that drastically, drastically changes the experience. So we would do a thing, let's say like sync books or, you know, we did, Doug put out a book and Andras put a book. Um, God, you know, we did probably like seven, seven books or something like that through sync book press. And um, I would sit there and I'd read through the text, edit it, you know, make some changes, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I email it to Jason Barrera. Jason Brewer makes a list of corrections, and maybe he emailed, like, let's say we did this book, uh, Yoga Gospel of Thomas, right? So that guy, Brandon, so then that's three people, or if you got Andras, maybe it's three people, and you send it back and forth, and then suddenly, you, it's like a, thinking, thinking of it like a sieve, right? Like finer and finer refinement. Oh, I just caught 37 typos and whatever, then you give it, and you're like, well, all right, well, I've, that's a pretty clean text. And I give it to Jason. Jason's like, no, here's 50 more situations. And you're like, holy shit, okay, you found 50 more. Give it to the next guy. He finds more. And you can kind of keep passing it around, and hopefully it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But you're always still finding something. And then finally, you'd reach a point in the process where you actually, like, well, I feel pretty good about this. We've passed it back and forth amongst ourselves a bunch of times. This has got to be really fucking clean. Now I feel ready to print a, a book proof. And whenever I'd get those proofs and you're suddenly holding a book in your hand and then I sit down with a red pen and start to read, I'm just like, page one. Oh, here's five fucking things. <laughs> you know, here's... Um, but it's not only do things leap off the page the way that they don't in a screen where suddenly like I could just look at a printed page and suddenly see more detail my eye is really picking out things that on a I think on a computer screen even though this was my I mean I would spend hours and months of my life doing this type of work but your eyes when you're looking at a computer screen they're sort of doing more of a scan Anything you're reading on a computer screen, you're kind of like skimming through. You're just taking it in really quickly. So even if you're trying to read slowly, deliberately, there's something happening there where your eye is just not doing as intense of a, of a looking at the text. Um, it's looking at the screen, not looking at the words. Suddenly when you're looking at a printed page, those words... I mean, they sound different in my head, you know, like I, I read the same chapter 27 fucking times on a computer screen. But all right, this is great. This is this is edited to the best of its ability. Let's print it. And then suddenly I'm looking at that printed thing. And I've had experiences where I'm like, wait, what is this? Like, you know, that having these like mo genuine moments of confusion of like, was this in the original? You know, like, it just seems so foreign. It's the same words, but that experience is so different. I, I don't know how to emphasize that enough, that, like, that was my experience on every project. And it would, I'm continually surprised and amazed when that happens. That suddenly, you know, it's like, 
oh, maybe I have to write, maybe I have to change this sentence because it doesn't sound the same or this thing that made sense when I was doing the computer level scanning of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, that totally makes sense. And then some when you're looking at it on a printed page, it's, you realize it's, it's either not clear or it just uh, has a totally different tone than you intended or whatever it might be. Yeah, uh, for, and, and I think this is something like when we talk about um, synchronicity. Uh, this, is, this is really what I was trying to say earlier, and I went off on that whole other tangent, but that there is a, like, for me, you know, you can go out and put Tiger in the Google search, um, but that feels a little bit less, um, the, the, the need to pay attention, I guess, is what I'm, I wanted to get at, like the quality of the attention. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, a synchronicity that, you know, when I experience powerful synchronicities or synchronicities that have had a real deep impact, you know, they, they come from this, this paying attention. And it's not like something I can, you can, I can generate the attention that is to say, I can like stay calm, meditate, you know, notice things around me, get into a certain headspace where I'm thinking about something and I can sort of be open. I mean, maybe that's the best way to say it. I can make sure that I can stay open, you know, but um, the best things are ones that just come, they take you, you know, they come and grab you. There's nothing I could have done. It's just like, boom, it boom, boom, it hit me over the head three or four times. And it was like, it was something that happened to me you know, and just sort of washed over me. Um, there was a certain, there was an inevitability that I opened myself to. Uh, and, and I think that when you talk about writing or reading or writing, um, I do feel like that there is, there is something about that uh, attention that that's required when, when, when I go to a book, I mean, I have to sit, like you're saying, it's work. I liked when you use those words, cause it is, it's work, it's workmanlike, you know, you have to pound through it. You have to to give it thought. You know, you have to pay attention. You can, have you ever read a book and then you're like, oh shit, I just read four pages. I don't even know what happened. And you have to go back. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's yeah. there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there there are some pages where you I have to read the same page seven times. I'm like, wait, why am I not getting this? Yeah. Whereas I would never make that attempt on a on a Facebook page. I'm like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I think there we're getting at something here with like the, the almost the expect the, the use of the atten attention, the deploying our attention, and um, you know, in terms of politics, it's like I think it's easy to fall into like um, I don't know, our bites, mocks, uh, fry. You know, that's so it doesn't feel like something that really takes. Um, attention i mean maybe that dude's just a hardcore racist and that was you know or person is but i mean some of the political movements i'm seeing are just so pre-polarized that there doesn't it's almost like the same lack of thought that's required to participate in social media that lack of thought um is will will get you quickly into one of these polarized camps you know and it and it takes like a work and chipping away and a deliberate giving over of attention to the news, to politics, to, to, to grapple with this stuff and to come to some kind of nuanced, you know, position, um, whatever that may be. And most of the time, the result of that is not 
like one of these mainstream prepackaged models for what you should be politically or how you should engage politically. And I don't want to criticize people if that's what they ultimately decide to do, but I find it it's kind of impossible at a certain point if you're asking the right questions to just knee jerk into like a Biden vote because of the Supreme Court, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's just, sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to rant. I don't want to rip people up here, but do you see what I'm saying? I just think that oh, we totally. hit on something and all these themes that there's something about the attention and the work and effort to deploy that attention. That is a common theme in these three areas. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm really, uh, in one sense, reluctant to sort of ha- bring this up because, uh, again, I don't want to. It's a, it's 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 seemingly a specific. Man, we're such a fucking niche little corner of the internet anyway. If people even give a shit about this stuff, uh, that I don't want to be, I don't know, criticizing people's technique or 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 making some sort of hierarchy. Or anything like that. I, that's, um, but uh, I, do, I, I do feel strongly enough about this that I, I guess it's worth mentioning. Um, sorry, I, I just I'm so hesitant to like I'm not trying to. I don't know how to give it. You know, I give examples, and then it's like I don't want to be like I'm shit talking this guy. You know, who does whatever, right? Um, but something that I notice once we had we had a Facebook group and uh, the Facebook group and it's funny because I I never wanted a fucking Facebook group. <laughs> uh, Mark Golding, our beautiful friend Mark Golding, had asked me, "Hey, could we create a space that like he wanted to do a, a magical ritual, something like we did last month? He was like a place that we could all talk." And uh, he came to me and asked if I had an idea as how to build something like that. And, I was, and we were, you know, we were in the process of putting everything together sync book wise, um, building that website out. And it was like, well, we didn't really not try to like make a forum or anything. But I was like, oh, that'd be really easy. We could make a Facebook group and that'll take me 20 minutes to set up and sure, then you can everyone can talk to each other uh that's how that group started and that is uh spiraled into you know a whole other uh, thing at this point uh, and it has seen its its rise and fall multiple times it's it, it, it at some point had a lot of activity in it and then to around 2016 with all the fucking alt-right stuff really destroyed that group um but just to say Throughout all its iterations, I have seen one problem over and over, even taking all the politics and that sort of shit out of it. The problem, as I see it, is this, again, turning it into a news feed. So we had years ago this uh, Australian guy who would post 27 articles a day. You know, anytime he saw a news item, boom, he threw it into that group. And there's a guy in there who does that now. And I I find it silly that it's it's not curated. 
it's not you are dumping data and saying, hey, look, this is happening. You're just, it's just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks, right? It's like, maybe this sinks in some way. And then you've posted 27 articles a day for 27 days, and then something happens that a news story that, and then you latch back and you go back to one thing you posted three weeks ago out of all the like pile of shit. And you're like, oh, look, that's relevant again. Look, a synchronicity. So you could see, look, I posted that three weeks ago. Fucking synchronicity, right? I mentioned whatever. I mentioned a tiger three weeks ago, and here it is, a second story about a tiger. Holy shit. And I'm like, that's not impressive to me. I don't give a fuck. Especially with a data pile of that size, it, it's not it's not interesting and what are you what are you taking credit for you are you because you posted that article uh, again as I say I feel like this could so easily sound shitty my point is that I think there is tremendous value even from the personal level I notice that I get so much more out of that experience of tracking a synchronicity if I really focus. If the more specific I get and the more um, critical I get of my synchronicities, that I demand bigger and better synchronicities, it can't just be here, this article said tiger, and now three weeks later, this article said tiger, that's to me that's that's not impressive. It should be something that leaps off the page, jumps out and says, "Hey, pay attention to this or or something that's an undeniably profound meaning there uh, and certainly there's um there are going to be stories, you know articles, bits of data that you're filing away and this I understand if people use Facebook in that sense of like a basically a, a pile you know to, to, to sift through but again I I think because I was so spoiled by those blogs I appreciate when someone's already done the curatorial work for me and not 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 to say like from a lazy perspective but from a clarity perspective They've filtered out the shit and they say, hey, here are these two or three gems. These are the synchronicities that like I had to share with you. And there might be 27 other ones that I considered including like whenever I would write a blog post or make a video or anything, I am constantly like I have a pile of synchronicities that I would I think I think are somewhat significant, but ultimately don't make the cut. It's like it's it's always my experience. I have a, a list of things that like, oh, I want to talk about this, 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 this. Tiger, 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 tiger. And then I'm like, well, okay, cut ninety percent of that. Give me the ones that like knock your fucking socks off. Something that you just cannot argue. This is a really profound. 
this is a true synchronicity. It's 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 easily digestible and it's really profound. And um, again, it's not a form of lazy. It's not like laziness. Like do the curatorial work for me. It's the show me something special. Don't show me if you're just showing me. A, here's a pile of rock. You know, here's like look at like this handful of pebbles. That's really cool. Yeah, that's that's cool. But um, but if you said, hey, I sat down with this pile of pebbles and I noticed that inside this pile of pebbles there were these two fucking diamonds. Holy shit, look at this. Did you realize that was in there? Now you've got my attention. Now we can skip to the point where we can actually talk about this diamond in the rough. Focus on what's important. Actually see why that energetic was so significant, why it's more universal, why it resonates for both of us, etc., etc. Um, I don't know, maybe this is, sounds like a, me nitpicking synchromistic technique or something, but I I really am seeing this through the lens of what we were talking about of the almost medium is the message, right? So if I, if I were to write a blog post and I wanted to talk about the movie, <laughs> you know, Jurassic Park or something, and there might be a point in there where I'm tempted to say, oh, while I'm talking about Jurassic Park, let me also talk about Godzilla or <laughs> You know, here's another fucking dinosaur-ish movie. And then it's something like, well, that's a huge tangent, not worth it. Whereas on Facebook, it would just be like, here's... Here's a link to Godzilla movie poster. Here's a link to, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm fucking, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't want to be criticizing. It's more, I, I'm really struggling to, to word it in such a way that I, that I, my point is clear. I hope it is that I just think that there's real value personally um, and socially, if we're going to share the information that we've shared, information that we've thought about, that we've processed, that we've distilled down into some something worth sharing, um, I think there's a real, real value in that. And then again, again, from a personal standpoint, even I find this whole process very therapeutic that then I get bombarded by information all day, every day, and then I've distilled down, what do I actually think about this? Take the time. It's why I, um, I don't know, maybe I've said this to you guys. When I stopped making sync stuff, I thought, like, that was going to help me. I'm like, man, I'm so burned out. I'm fucking making all this content and having to work with this website and just I'm so fucking burned out and I thought if I step away that'll really help me and stepping away really hurt me and I realized it was because I depended on this uh, what Doug would refer to as like a sync practice it's, it's a form of yoga my yoga was sifting through this information distilling it down and then writing about it. And that forced me, quote unquote, forced me that through the process of working on a script, through the process of writing a blog, through the process of turning it into a video, whatever, that I had to 
really think about what do I want to say about this topic? What do I feel about this political idea? What do I feel about this synchronicity or this archetype or anything? Uh, what are, of the 20 tiger stories, what are the five of them that are really valuable, that are really like shockingly in-your-face synchronicities? Um, I found that process so beneficial for my own sanity and my own processing of the information to be able to whittle it down to something that was manageable that I, I could wrap my head around and that I could share with people uh, and that I could have a conversation about it and present that information say you see this is what I'm trying to say here this is why I think it's significant and I ultimately I I hope that my the takeaway from my rambling thoughts here is that less of a criticizing people and more I, I, I encourage people to try to try and distill that information more because I think they will get more out of it for themselves and they will find that their their work is then better received um, as well so I think I think it helps everybody to kind of um, it's not like pre, pre, chewing food or fucking like or controlling a narrative. Uh, it's just about taking the time to actually sit with the the information and, and think about it before you share it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, COVID. No. Um, <laughs> another COVID joke. Um, yeah, man. That, that's that's super like. You've hit the nail on the head in for me, which is a, this quality, like this again, this idea of quality of attention. And I think with sync, it what you're you're begging the question here of like, what is a sync? What actually is that? What is it? And you mentioned there um, something that has more of a I forgot the exact word you use. Something that gets a, a deeper quality, or a, maybe just a more a jewel or a diamond amongst the pebbles, or something like this. But I think I think that like one way to look at sync is is that it's a communication with reality, you know, whether that's your own unconscious or subconscious, or that's the abyss looking back at you, or God, or the gods, or these higher forces, unseen realms peeking into the material. Like however you want to um, describe that, I mean, I think it's a communication. Synchronicity is, and and so for and that's why meaning, you know, they say what meaningful coincidence if we if we simply define it, but to have meaning, you have something's being communicated, and that implies that you're receiving a message, you know, and then that message gives conveys meaning is conveyed right, it's transmitted, um, and so there's, and so. With synchronicity, I mean, I've, my experience with it is it's a process and it's something that um, I have to, like I was saying earlier, be open to receiving um, and not on my timetable. You know, it's these, the true, like, draw dropping sinks come when I least expect them. But at the same time, I've, I, I had to put in that workmanlike effort. Like, all right, if we, we could do it now. I mean, honestly, we could just pick any topic, go to Google, say, let's, 
start exploring synchronicities around this topic. But it, it might unfold over a year, two years, and we would probably have to spend a few hours researching or more or days and then letting it go for a while. And then out of nowhere, it would come back to us. And, you know, and so there's this like complex process of work, give and take, surrender, let go, randomness that like the sink builds itself over time. And, you know, but but it requires, and I like that, I like the sync practice idea because it is like a a, um, a cultivation of a method of, of communication with the unseen realm, right? The unseen realm. And for me, that's like, that's as, as essential as eating. I mean, and I think that's, now we're talking about like spiritual practices here, like meditation, prayer, you know, contemplation. I mean, we'll it's absolutely into- a meditation. Con- even even if it's like a, it's think of it. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. To, you ahead. made, you made me realize is that this is a in in an, in another in another lifetime in another world. This could be you and I are monks and we sit down and just meditate on the archetype of the tiger for a month. And every day, just sit down and think about what the tiger, you know, watching watching a tiger in the jungle thing and then meditating on it or whatever, right? Like, this is, by focusing on one thing, really chewing it over or really, really processing that, that archetype, I do feel like there's, sorry, I, 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 I totally jumped in here just I just I like I really like that terminology or that way of thinking about it because I think it is essentially that it is a meditation or a contemplation of a subject there's something very meditative about that yeah and no and I yeah appreciate it just it's, it's nice I mean to, to 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 go here because you know I've always thought it was this I mean, I think you said it in early episodes or someone, you guys, you know, the Nietzsche quote of you stare in to the abyss and then it stares back. But it implies that you took the action to go up to it and then say, I want to stare in. You know, it's the biblical knock and the door shall be open. Seek and you shall find. There's a verb that's uh, it's my action, you know, my verb that comes first. And, you know, that's work. It's effort. And you have to want to be open acknowledge it i am open now there is the there is the kind of initial awakening experience that maybe someone gets hit over the head or kind of stumbles into something and then they're turned on but i think by and large we have to be participatory with the synchronistic process i mean i got into it from i think it was a chris knowles um my early sync days and he was like start writing your dreams down just start writing your dreams down. see what happens write them down when you wake up and see if you notice something in your in your world that relates to the dream and um i don't even remember if there's anything super profound uh that came out of like literally my dream and then my waking life but i was doing it you know i would wake up i would write dreams down for a while and um that to me just was useful in and of itself because I saw that if I didn't write them down, I would forget them. But if I wrote them down, I would remember so much that happened in the dream. 
and there was all this detail and all of this strange emotion and these strange events and that was worth it just to sit down and write that that down like wow this kid from my childhood and then just it felt really important and just um cathartic just it was like a therapeutic process to get that out in the morning um but but yeah yeah i i do think like going back to this idea of like posting articles that's part of the process i think not not necessarily the posting part but gathering information but that's only one like easy component like like that's one you have to put in the work to even know what to see or to even know how the universe might communicate back to to you so if like trying to think of my like one of my most recent syncs it was like that's a huge synchronicity so as an astrologer now it's like i'm i'm glad you mentioned archetypes because i found that like working with the seven planets and those really foundational archetypes um you know the synchronicities just come up everywhere because you, the planets are constantly moving and making these relationships and then you see new stories that that fit the symbolism a little too close you know um so I'm kind of working with a, a symbol set or a, a, you know, at all times. In some ways, it's less interesting because with sync, you can go to these really strange places like a tiger or like this conversation you have with, a, with, a, with David. I mean, I was like listening. The first thing about the bunny I was like, all right, that's interesting. Then there's a second thing. All right. Then there's a third thing. There's, there's a fourth thing. I think, I think the one that I was like, I finally perked up. I was like, okay, there's something here was when... I think it was like Roger, Ra oh, Tara Reed, Tara Reed, the Warren, that's as far as I got, but like the Warren is the bunny and the Joe Biden, Tara Reed, and then, the, you know, there was like these things wrapped, four or five of them wrapped up together. And um, they call that in astrology actually the rule of three. So one, okay, two, yeah, better, but if you got three confirmations, all right, let's let's take a look here. This might be something we can start talking about, like a in maybe more of a predictive way. And so it's like this these kind of layers upon layers of the same symbol. And and then the, the last thing I just say here is like, so what? So you have five symbols stacking up, but then there's that next step that you really have to say, all right, what does this mean? Like, so what? There's a, some bunny rabbits. Like, it's not relevant unless. It actually is teaching us something, and I didn't get. I'm sure I, yeah, it was a lot of uh, audio there, so I heard like the first 40 minutes. But at some point, it's got to be like, all right, this is giving us a lesson or teaching us like a way to see the world that adds value or that gives us wisdom or truth or something, you know, worth um, considering, you know if that makes any sense. And I'm sure you guys got there, but that's why I always like Mark LeClaire. I miss him because he, he always really was heavy on that part of it, that side of things. Like, what does this mean for our humanity, for why we're here, for what we're doing here? How can we use this knowledge to, you know, have a better sense of meaning, this kind of stuff? Um, you there, Alan? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we all miss Mark Leclerc. Uh That's a that's a pretty general, I think, consensus on that. Um, but yeah, you know, so 
as I was listening to you talk, I really am trying to see through my blind spots. And I, I just want to throw one thing here is I realize it could be that people are relating, right? I, ha I have to get inside my own head and that maybe the, the social media space, if people use that as a general sifting through pile, again, as you know, I, maybe I'm, I'm wrong to criticize that because that's just, that's how they have chosen to utilize that space. Um, and I don't obviously don't know what they're doing in their private time. Um, but, uh, there's you you use the word seed and i we've talked about feed and seed i'm kept thinking about the idea of tilling the soil um and there's so there's something of taking an idea by actually being able to jot down your, say, write down your dreams and being able to revisit that and say, okay, oh, shit, I did have, I had a dream about a tiger or whatever a month ago. So when, you, when you're writing about the tiger the second time, you can go back, look at the first dream, compare it, reference it. Same thing with the synchronicity. I mean, I... I'm still, I didn't mean this when I was blogging and when I was making even like some quick news and stuff like that. I wasn't necessarily trying to just get like a record down for this long-term idea, but just recently uh, to say I did end up on this whole tiger thread and I, had, I completely forgot. So uh, I was talking to my friend Nick and he said, uh, oh, I watched your tiger video. I was like, you watched my tiger? I was like, oh, I was like, I guess you went the, the, the Lion King one. And he's like, and after talking for like the 20 seconds, we quickly realized we're talking about two different videos. And I guess he just looked to see the most recent Sync Quick News or something, which is a year old at this point. But it by realizing then that it just took two seconds for, for it all to click into place and like, oh, one year ago, exactly one year ago, I made a video talking about lions and tigers as the sync node of the moment. And here I am a year later thinking this is something new, <laughs> you know, like suddenly everyone's somewhat tigers and all this sort of shit. And it's like, oh, that was actually there a year ago. Um, and there's something really significant about being able to return to by by distilling the information down, by turning it into a little bit more of an artifact. It's it's something that's a lot easier to refer back to. Whereas, oh, I guess if you you know if you just lump everything together, it's it's a, a bigger data pool. You could. And I guess you could like search in it and say, "Oh, did we didn't we talk about tigers before?" And you could maybe you could search the word "tiger" and see every news article that's ever been posted about that. Um, I don't know. I 
Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still. I'm not convincing myself. <laughs> I was trying to trying to see outside my own perspective, but I'm not convincing myself. I, the idea of just sifting through again doesn't that, that doesn't do anything for me. I, I I have found immense value in being able to go. Oh shit! I wrote about this a year ago, five years ago, seven years ago, whatever it was. I wrote about this before, and now I can go back, and now it makes new sense. A uh, perfect example is when I used to do the sync blog, and I was just, you know, trying to make sense of it. And my and the, a lot of those writings are, are, you know, chaotic and might seem not fully distilled and all that sort of stuff. But I kept and uh, when in 2011 when I'm writing about. The correspondence dinner and the the uh, Obama Osama Lion King all that sort of shit. I did multiple blog posts where I'm saying I kept saying, "Hey, this is what I'm tracking. This is these are the symbols. These are the archetypes. These are everything." And for some reason, I keep getting this frog archetype. Oh. This 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 frog imagery keeps showing up, and. It happened enough that I, in multiple articles that I wrote, I would say, here's all this, and for some reason, I don't know why, here's a frog. Here's another fucking frog. Here's another frog. But I, I had no idea what the frog meant. And all these years later, I totally forgot about it. I, don't, I didn't remember writing about a frog. So by going back and revisiting something that I had previously distilled and forgotten about, I was now able to look back at that and say, okay, so suddenly I'm noticing all the same imagery and the same archetypes that I was tracing in 2011 have reemerged. And when I look back at my writing from then, suddenly that frog takes on a whole new meaning in the in a world of keck and you know meme magic. That did, that wasn't there in 2011. Suddenly, that frog has a lot more, uh, lot heavier connotation. Um, well, that, it's like what ahead, you tapped into something real. I mean, that's that's the other thing. It's like the ult, the ultimate confirmation that, like, whoa, what the fuck? You were tapped in, man, to something really powerful. And and that's kind of what I was getting at, which is like. The, to me, it has to have a sense of that, that you're being communicated back with profound unseen realms or I don't I'm not really as interested. So anyhow, I jumped in on you there, but go ahead. Keep keep going there. Um, but that to me is just like, wow, wow. So I'm curious what else you were finding in, in those posts. Was there any other symbols that you when you went back that you were like, all right, now there's a kangaroo or something or you know. uh, no. So. Okay, um, I've discussed this uh, with someone recently, but um, what I ultimately can't, and I don't know, I mean, uh, where where your feelings on this, uh, I think this is a very loaded topic, so it's something that I don't mention as often, um, but basically what that the, came down to me, what I was looking at, is if you look at some of the um, like we, uh, Western magic, sort of pop culture Western magic, 
demonology. I'm sure you have seen uh, a figure of Baal. It's not like the, the true original god mythological figure of Baal, but this um, modernized sort of perverted version uh, as this demonic force. It's, does this sound familiar to you at all? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I think it might be from a movie or something where Baal became an evil character. But yeah, I've definitely heard of Baal. Well, it definitely pre it definitely predates movies. But um, yeah, it's an ancient Babylonian thing, right? I mean, it goes all the way back. But I, I just I'm I'm familiar with the caricature of um, of this kind of evil Baal or Balal Baal. There's a couple of different of these kind of these entities that became basically a stand-in for devil or something like this. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to drop a link in here. I mean, I just literally typed Baal, B-A-A-L, space demon, uh, into search. And just this is the first image that comes up. And it is a three-headed figure. And it has the head of a cat. It has the head of a man wearing a human man wearing a crown and the head of a frog and those are the three symbols that came up over and over and over and over again throughout that time right was this it was it a lion was it a a tiger whatever the fuck was it was this cat um uh this king and the frog and the 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 lion king was so explicit and really easy to put my finger on whereas the frog element as i said didn't 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 make sense for me the the context didn't exist in 2011 for why the frog would later be important for donald trump um but just to say i mean that's again it's it's something that i i think uh, we dance so close to conspiracy realm and the there's that's so dominated by that like really weird fundamentalist Christian flavor that uh, I'm always reluctant to mention anything that's like like this just because I, I think it so quickly gets misinterpreted. Um, yeah. but, but, but I, I can't deny like, yeah, this, this, this is what I'm thinking. Of. This is what I'm picturing. Um, and again, just to say this is a, this, this, this imagery is literally a perversion, you know, uh, we could talk, for example, like, um, you know, pan, right. Mm-hmm. The original, oh, here's this goat-type god that he literally is everything. Pan means all. It is. It is the. All, it is everything. So it's. It's. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a Buddha figure in one aspect of like it literally is the summation of everything. Um, we have now live in a world where that uh, figure is based what we use as our archetype for our devil, right? So it's no longer all, it's the it's the shit at the bottom. 
it's the it's the dirty stuff that we don't talk about um or it's the evil stuff um this happens with um the etymology of um beelzebub beelzebub is literally um another reference to yeah so baal basically means like a lord i think it i think it directly translates it's like it's like lord god um and zebub was like it's basically (laughs) basically the name beelzebub is like uh zebub i think it basically translates to of shit so it's like lord of shit like lord of flies lord of shit right so maybe like the the book might be a reference to that yeah oh yeah so but basically that's like saying i don't know like what's a modern uh, equivalent would be taking a, a a figure like allah right here's a name that has a meaning it has a cultural connotation and then someone else being like well we now are going to call our demonic devil figure Allah of shit. That's that's his name. You know what I mean? And it's like that's um, it's it has all these weird connotations of oppressor culture, basically saying, "Hey, we, we that's not we we don't like your religion anymore. We're literally going to turn your religion." into to be the symbol of all that's wrong in the world do you know what i mean yeah like it's it's, it's a very it's a very like um culturally um, offensive not like in a you know modern snowflake i'm offended but like as in like on the offense actually attacking an ideology uh through propaganda by by reshaping an archetype the the perspective of an archetype um and that's what i mean about perversions of archetypes of someone literally at some point it had a meaning and then culturally that meaning shifts for all sorts of other reasons um so again this is a long a very long set of context of how things get changed over time or have different cultural meanings to them but yeah damn if i'm looking at that drawing of that three-headed little demon dude ain't ain't exactly what i'm talking about well i mean my question just and i and we can i have some other thoughts but i'll ask you this question first or just to continue along this thread was like what do you do you believe in terms of just the mechanism that you had tapped into like a code that you were then tracking and that there was something like an entity like ball um, communicating back to you through these through these symbols basically saying something like all right Alan you're looking at me you've identified me do you think there was something of that nature where it was you mentioned earlier like a text of demon conjuring um, a grimoire almost like a grimoire or do you think this is more something that that you're you were just kind of spotting? Um, I don't know how these symbols were mixed, and it just maybe it was in the unconscious or under the surface with the collective, and your um, attention on the symbols allowed you to see maybe 
a darker side of them um, so that it wasn't like an entity, but it was more of just like something tied up in the language or in the symbols that were manifesting. I don't even know if that question makes sense. I'm just thinking about like these guys that they'll play a speech backwards. And so it's like you have the words, but then you play it backwards and it's a different message, but it's the actual, actually the same utterance. So is it that, or do you think there was actually something communicating with you? Maybe, maybe that's a, a way to say it. And I know this is probably doesn't even do its service, uh, what potentially it was, but I'm trying to understand and more interested in what you think it was, what was looking back, you being in it, you being so, so connected to this, um, finding of the symbol and these realizations. I mean, what, what do you think it was? 